Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Monday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another amazing episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Today, we are talking about what DevNet Automation Exchange is, how you can get started with it, and some great resources available to you. We also have an exclusive contest for our listeners, which we'll have Kareem give us more detail on later in the show. But if you want more detail around the contest or any of the topics covered in the show, simply click on the link provided in the description below. All right, so let's get started with a short round of introductions. Kareem, we'll start with you. Can you tell us more about who you are and what you do at Cisco? Thanks, Amelie. My name is uh, Kareem Iskander. I am a developer advocate with Cisco DevNet, and uh, I've been with DevNet since inception, and I'm here to talk to you about all the cool stuff that we do. Well, that's a fun fact. Do you have a Twitter, Kareem? I do, uh, Kareem underscore ISK. Great. Shala, you're up next. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, my name is Shala. Um, many know me on so- social media as Gifted Lane. Uh, I worked in networking for a while, supporting ships in the ocean. And right now I'm actually doing tier two support with like networking projects and stuff like that. Um, I'm like a new, brand new, super hyped DevNet fan right now at the moment. <laughs> I'm glad you could join us. (laughs) All right, Joe, tell us about yourself. Howdy, y'all. Joe Hughes, based out of Austin, Texas. Uh, Currently a solutions architect at a Cisco partner, longtime uh, data center geek with Cisco gear and into all things automation and integration. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at jhughes, but nobody will ever spell that correctly. So look for me at fullstackgeek.net. Great. Mark, last but not least, my friend. Well, I'm Mark Siebering, uh, working for Dev Team in the Netherlands as an expert consultant and um, working with a service provider and data center for about 20, 25 years now. And you can find me on Twitter uh, as NetCICD and most importantly uh, on GitHub as NetCICD. Uh, where I host uh, a couple of uh, repos on automation. Mark, I'm glad you joined us on the Twitters, finally. Oh, yeah. We got you on. (laughs) You managed, finally. (laughs) All right, Kareem, I'm going to kick it back to you. Can you give us an introduction on what we're talking about today? Today, we're going to cover Automation Exchange and uh, what is what is DevNet Automation Exchange and um, how you can leverage that and what the content in, in uh, AE for your, for your automation journey. Um, if you don't know what Automation Exchange is, uh, it's essentially uh, curated content of all the automation projects um, that we've put together, whether that's Cisco employees, uh, our developer advocates, or our community members. Uh, chances are in your throughout this, you know, with the APIs and with 
you know what's happening with the that shift in in automating your network chances are you've done something with with automation you've done something with those apis you've automated a piece of your network and we've created a place for us to share that work as well as everybody else to showcase what they've done with that that's 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 automation exchange in in two seconds nice so one of the questions i had was what is automation exchange i know a lot of people ask that and i think you covered it well thank you so another question i would like to know is something i struggle with as a newbie and that i get asked in social media a lot is how does the automation exchange differ from the code exchange? Yeah, I can't, Charlotte, I can't tell you how many times we get this question. And uh, we ourselves also kind of try to, to make it clear and, and, and kind of uh, as simple as possible for our community members. But think about it this way. <clears throat> so code exchange, right? You write a simple piece of code to uh, go out to your devices at a device level APIs and say, I want to get a list of all interfaces that haven't been used in 30 days. It's just one piece of code that does one thing and one thing only, right? It's not really an automation, but it's it still could be used as part of a bigger automation project. So that's where code exchange have come in play, right? It's something that you've done with Cisco APIs that you're that's in your GitHub, and we want you to basically share it so we can have a curated list of all Cisco uh, APIs-driven code, right? And so we put that in Code Exchange. Now, a step above that is where Automation Exchange comes in play. And think about that. So think about the small little project that you built for getting a list of interfaces from your devices. Now you want to put that into a bigger project that uh, goes out to your configuration talks to talks to, talks to DNA Center APIs and finds out what's happening underneath with all your infrastructure. Maybe taking a gold standard of your uh, of your configuration, a snapshot of all your configs. That would be an entire automation project, right? And this is basically a use case that could use some of the little libraries, little code snippets that you shared in Code Exchange, or it could be standalone. But it's basically a bigger view and an entire use case that's built all together for you to be able to leverage as well as the step-by-step -step instruction on how to leverage that code that's available. Hopefully that answers your question, but the short answer is GitHub, curate, uh, sorry, uh, Code Exchange is a curated GitHub list of all the code snippets that's out there that's leveraging APIs. Automation Exchange is use cases that are out there for you to leverage. Thank you. That that yeah. actually helps a lot. Like that helps me so much. So thank you. So that also means that you don't have to work out all the use cases yourself anymore, as long as the automation exchange keeps on growing, becomes easier and easier to get your network and keep your network automated. That's exactly right. And one of the things that we actually teach as we're, you know, we're having these discussions and we're running our sessions at Cisco Live is Chances chances are for what you're trying to accomplish, chances are there's, there's stuff out there for you to leverage. If you're going to start a project and you're starting from scratch, you're doing it wrong. So go out at the resources, leverage the community and find out what's out there. It might be maybe 
15% of what you're trying to accomplish, but it's still 15%. You don't have to write from code from zero. And uh, the, I mean, most of us do that too. I mean, we, we go out on GitHub, look at libraries, look at sample code. Um, we never start from scratch really. And, and this is the, the purpose of automation exchanges to give you the content. You might have some of it, you might use all of it, um, but it allows you to build on top of it. Now I saw that the automation exchange is uh, categorizing stuff in run, walk, build, fly, uh, to the moon, whatever. <laughs> um, th th does that have to do with complexity or does it have to do with the completeness of the solution? All, if not most, solutions are complete. The, the, the categories are basically the complexity as well as what it's going to do to your to your infrastructure um so uh run it's it's basically saying i'm just going to do a view i'm not going to change any configs i'm not going to do any deployment uh run walk would be you're essentially saying hey i might just update something and maybe view some data some payload out of your infrastructure and uh, fly, it's essentially an entire project that would read, write, would go out, build sites, configure your network, whatever it is, it's going to make changes. So in a sense, it's complexity, but it also the level of what it's going to do to your network, not to your infrastructure engine. It seems like it also would align with like the life cycle, right? Like, are you starting out and potentially is this just a brownfield environment where you're trying to get new information? Are you totally greenfield and you can start net new or can you put pieces of this in place to just have full end-to-end -end automation for a net new or existing environment, right? Spot on. Yeah, exactly. And you can find that, uh, that distinction as well in, uh, in the automation exchange. Like day one, day zero, day... Yeah, it's clearly there as part of the category as well, where, you know, as you're submitting your automation exchange um, code, you you specify that information. You say, this is a day zero operation, right? Um, if you're submitting... I'll give you an example. One of the projects I worked on was for Cisco DNA Center, right? I uh, It was uh, onboarding using PNP, onboarding of devices and automating your site creation, all of that. And that would be a day zero operation, right? And then you can specify day one, day two, and day end. So if you're looking at basically building out a dashboard and just run of the business kind of thing where I'm just monitoring and making sure that my network is up and running and I want to output all of the, that telemetry data out to Grafana, right? That would be a day end operation because everything is running for me. Every all of my infrastructure is up. I'm just watching what's going on with that. So, um, and also that's part of the categories as well as dividing it by the domains, right? Like, are we looking at networking? Am I looking at data center? And and within the automation exchange itself, it's going to give you that that kind of category. So you don't, you know, if you come from a data center world, you don't have to worry about what's out there for network if you don't want to look at it, you know. So the filters are there. It seems like one of the great benefits y'all have with the way that Automation Exchange is built out that way, with having all of the metadata and all the tagging for different scenarios or life cycles and the products and what domain it's covering. If somebody builds one of these as a, uh, you know, as a walk with a life cycle of, of day zero, I'm just getting information or I'm plugging information from one system into another, but, but this is just bringing something up new from scratch. 
you could build the same work case for the walk or the run or the fly using that same technology and basically adding in new components or, or adding an, a whole new platform or a new technology to the end of that. So if somebody's built with that day zero use case, they can build into the day one. Or if they need a separate component, they can use what was built there as the day one and say, oh, well, I'm not using Python, I'm using PowerShell or I'm using Ruby or I have a different platform that's not exactly this technology, but I can see what they were doing and I can go build my own and now share this as my version of the day one or the day two or the day end. And that's and that's what we encourage at DevNet, right? We want you to look at what what's out there and tell us what you've you know what you're looking to build or what you've built, so you can share it within the automation exchange. Uh, you're gonna see that exactly that what you what you said. Um, the you, you're gonna find that some of the projects are written in Python, and then you're gonna find the exact same use case in Ansible. Uh, and right now we're building out similar use cases to what's out there, but you've got, you know, shops that are using Terraform to deploy their infrastructure, right? So we want to accommodate for that. And we want you, if, you, if you're if you using a Terraform provider to do this and you already have it, go out there and share it with the community. Finally, I understand why I find all these Lego puppets when I'm walking around Cisco Live <clears throat> when it's possible. I mean, uh, what you basically basically get here is all kinds of Lego blocks that you can uh, fit together to make a solution for you. I was going to say, that's, that's one of the, the analogies I enjoy using the most in most of my presentations about automation, whether it's people that are brand new to this or people that are just now trying to take um, standalone scripts or individual components and actually, you know, wire them up together. It's... You know, I, I suggest to everybody to go look at new sets of Lego, especially for most of us that played with them as kids. And we had just the the simple, you know, pound full of primary block colors and put everything together to just, you know, make our interesting spaceships and stuff. But if you look at the, the fully polished products that they're releasing now for, you know, building the International Space Station and things like that, you have a component that when you look at it, it's very nice and it's very cool. But if you look at the number of steps and pieces and parts that go into it, that are the machinery inside that nobody ever sees. It's a lot of planning and decisions that are made to put that together that goes into a final product that's not immediately visible when you just look at what was finished. So for people to be able to understand all of those components and how to put them together in the proper order and be able to just stack up things you know, a little bit at a time, it also drives the way that they think about where they're making individual decisions or where they might try and branch some sort of a workflow that they have to have a different result or a different outcome that they need to think about these types of things in the future for how might I leverage this to be more useful by breaking this into smaller pieces. Yeah, and I think I think that helps a lot. Um, that actually, all of this actually ties into another question, which is how does the automation exchange help the DevNet community? And as for someone new coming in, this is exactly that. It's helping you figure out how to get started and things like that. And for me, one of the things I'm starting to look at is more so like the walk, you know, so I'm not messing up anything <laughs> in the uh, environment. And this this is helpful. And I love the analogy of it's like Legos. It's exactly that. You're taking these different pieces, piecing them together and coming up with something, you know, that's like a full build at the end of the day. Yeah, so if I understand it correctly, uh, Kareem, then uh, the code exchange is like the Lego bricks and the automation exchange is 
you have your Harry Potter castle and Battlestar Galactica <laughs> and, 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 and you can fit them all together into a single story. Exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, it's, that's exactly what, what the day two, the, both of them kind of, uh, are tailored for. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on for what Shala was mentioning, uh, Automation exchange and code exchange is not the only resource for our newcomers, our, our new DevNet comers specifically. Uh, I think, I think if you're looking to to play with an API and if you're looking to uh, learn, you know, something about a Cisco product, a specific API about Cisco product, we have our learning path. So, what I suggest is, don't go in digging into automation exchange and code exchange without understanding the underlying APIs and technology, go take out our, t- check out our learning path um, in the start now section of DevNet. And this is going to walk you through, okay, API 101, Python 101, how to get started with all of this. You know, if you're looking to dig into specific technology, pick on Cisco DNA Center, I have a Cisco DNA Center module out there where it will walk you from, walk you through you know, from uh, authenticating against the API all the way to building your first use case. If you understand that, if you have, if you, you know, once you grasp that, that, that concept of, you know, how do I leverage these APIs to do something, then you can go out to code exchange and look at the small, you know, code snippets that were built. And then you can take that and move to an automation exchange journey where you can see, okay, these are the use cases that people are looking at for Cisco DNA Center. So we take you through that entire journey that, that that gets you started with an API all the way to building your first use case. And of course, we have the sandbox. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, Shala, you said, I don't want to break stuff. Yes. Break yeah. stuff as much as you can. <laughs> yes. And yes. as thoroughly as Test you it. can. Yes. Yes. Test this it until it breaks and then beyond that because you only learn from the stuff that really breaks badly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The stuff that works is easy. Anybody can make stuff that works. Trying, trying it, to fix it or undo it. That's that's where you, you get way more mileage out of your own. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's or break it so thoroughly it. that you're like, Ooh, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) And then figuring out what the hell went wrong. Yep. Yep. And that's why I love the sandbox. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I tried to break the sandbox. There, there is an amazing <laughs> amount of power in having a clean environment that gets spun up every time, where you're not worrying about the the operational rules that go into it, or knowing what the current state is of the environment, because it's always a known state when you reload that sandbox and connect to it. So you can test things, or you can break things in specific ways that you've maybe seen in the past, or have had, you know, outages in one of your environments or something, and and be able to try and work through that in still a sandbox environment where you know what the starting state is you can break it a specific way and then try and, and get it back to functional i i love telling people you know if we're honest with ourselves every one of us has a lab environment some of us are lucky enough to have a separate production environment so the sandbox can become that play space instead of you know yeah. causing resume generating event yeah don't don't test your code on on production that's that's all bad. <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> that is a very that depends on how much you love your customers that this is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think, I mean, uh, when testing, I try to first break stuff that's easily broken and then uh, 
often I make it into a contest to see who can do most damage. And then uh, together with your colleagues, make it into a contest like, okay, you get, you've got 10 minutes. See how, how thoroughly you can break stuff. Or uh, we once had a contest like, okay, what's the least amount of commands you can use to, to uh, inflict as much damage? And then we oh, together try to assess <laughs> where we would end up. And it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot of stuff that we wouldn't have learned otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's great for generating bug reports back too. That's uh, it, it's amazing what people can do when they're really just trying to smash on things. <laughs> but that, I mean, the the fact that with the automation exchange, you can then see how processes work and then see okay, so these are the the spots that you want to take more care of when running it into production or not depends on. Again. Your customer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we want you, we want you to test out, and we want you to break our sandbox. You can't really break it. It's, uh, it's designed for you to. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, go out there and check it out. Check out the sandboxes we have. You know, we have a couple of options for you. If if you don't want to wait and reserve a sandbox, we have your always on sandboxes, and these are going to be limited in access. We're not going to give you full access, especially you, Mark, but. Um, we don't want you to break it. Uh, but from there, we can, you know, uh, you can test out at least your 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 run uh, against our always-on sandboxes. And then, and then if you want full access to a full-on environment, which comes with a dev box, by the way, so you don't actually have to worry about having your developer environment built, you can reserve a sandbox and play with it that way. So a couple options. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it works really really great for me for someone who stepped out of networking for a bit because I'm trying to figure out if I want to go back into networking, DevOps, cloud, like I'm working on it. And so it helps me because I'm not necessarily in a position where I'm just touching these kind of devices and technology every day, but I go into the sandbox and then I go talk it over with the senior network engineer just to prove like, okay, yeah, I'm getting a grasp on this. Let's go. <laughs> well, and there's there's immense value when 80% of your time is not spent just building the environment to test mm-hmm. what your project is actually aiming to do beyond that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Shala, you're one of the champions now. We'll drag you into networking. There's no escaping here. Yep. <laughs> trust me, trust me. Rowdy to Switchy is my heart. That's why I love DevNet because it helped me figure out, you know, I still love networking, but is merging my love with coding for it as well. So it's just like this perfect, beautiful marriage. So I'm just super excited all over again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Shala, it sounds like you're ready for uh, the Dev Associate exam. Yes, yes. I started prepping for that. And that's how I was able to figure out, okay, DevNet is for me. Because originally, I thought maybe it's just for people who, you know, code software all day. But once I started going through that exam format, I started learning, oh, no, this is making network that much more exciting. Because I come from a place of manually setting up devices, you know, hundreds of devices manually. And it's like yeah. this whole process that takes like weeks. <laughs> yeah, and even if you don't like programming, at that point in time, you want to start learning to program. <laughs> yes, yes. You made somebody really happy, uh, Queen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad. 
Well, that's cool. Um, what kind of exciting use cases do you see? I mean, I've seen a few. I've seen an IoT e-parking demo. Really cool if there's a lot of uh, electric cars around. Um, so I don't have to think about that anymore. Yeah, that's a fun I'm, one that, that uh, my colleague Flo worked on. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, there's a couple of, of my favorite uh and the reason why I like them is they're pretty current, and um, they uh, they just they're just a reminder of of the cool stuff that you could do with APIs. And one of uh, one one of the things that we recently worked on with the Cisco DNA Center business unit is allowing um, allowing the you know our customers to use DNAC as a sensor for the network. And um, we've essentially opened up an API endpoint that allows us, because DNA Center, as you know, uh, has access or manages your wireless LAN controller as well as all of your access points, right? So we have visibility into your devices on the access point. So what we've done is uh, the business unit has essentially opened up an API endpoint for us to be able to to call and get a client proximity uh based on a username and that information is all in dna center and what we've done is basically we've aggregated that and provided an endpoint and you can run reports for you know safe return to office and we've done a use case around it and it's on automation exchange where we're basically leveraging chat ops to collect information from you know a pandemic team about a pandemic positive employee and saying, okay, I want to run a report. I want to find out where that person has been and who's been around that person for how long. And I can get that information out of that one endpoint from DNAC. And I can build out my reports out of this, whether because you get it back as a as a JSON payload, I can integrate in my HR systems. I could generate PDF reports saying that, you know, these employees might have been exposed. I need to notify them. And as well as I, you know, I know from from DNA Center that that user has been in these buildings. I need to send a sanitization for deep cleaning, um, a crew to go out there. So that information is really, really, really useful for our current events as well as past this, you know, pandemic thing. And and you know, imagine so it doesn't have to be tailored for just that. Imagine, you know, uh, having having uh, um, to monitor. Uh, VIP access for somebody, you know, your CEO, your VP walks into the building, you want to make sure that there is constant connection to their email to their devices, so they don't miss anything, right? You can use that exact same use case or endpoint for that. So um, it's, it's current, it's cool, there's a write up out there on, uh, um, on automation exchange, where we show you how to basically get the code, how to deploy that chat ops. Uh, I leverage uh, AWS for most of my my deployments. So I'm using API Gateway with a Lambda function to intercept all these webhooks. And we're going out there having conversation with you know the user, collecting information, firing off webhooks back and forth, going to DNA Center to capture the data, massaging it, and ex- uh, spitting it out into a really cool PDF format. And in the process, I actually learned that there's some cool libraries out there in Python that allows you to, to allows you to convert HTML uh, with CSS into PDF from within your code. And that, that, for me, was pretty cool because I can leverage for other things as well. 
Can you also use that to figure out who was where in the building? So, for example, if this COVID uh, stuff has finally passed, that you can say, okay, so this room does not have to be cleaned because nobody was in there, and oh, the the, the toilets have been really busy, so let's send a sanitation crew <laughs> more quickly. Yeah, yeah, you you, de- you definitely can do that. I mean, it's it's all part of the path trace trace or shouldn't say that it's part of the the client proximity to an access point right so if you have access point you know where that client is because you have that information from you know your integration with ice you know who that user is and their devices on your network and hence you can make that that logical connection yeah i mean linking to users i guess i don't know how it is in the us but in europe that is kind of problematic because they don't allow you to do that. But I can also imagine that I don't care who it is, but I've seen that there were so many people going to the toilet or so many people going to the uh, pantry. I think I think that security is everywhere. It's not just in Europe. But I think, I think one thing that we have to remember that you're on, when you join somebody's network, you, you, give, you give them rights to access to you, especially in corporate, right? I know Cisco has access to my devices for me. Right, because I sign up for that as part of the, as part of being on their network. So it's not, it's not, it, it's just a, a client information, the client MAC address, which is something that you can get from any any network. It's not something that that's, you know, a security. Having, having it is one thing, but uh, being a, being permitted to use it is something else. True. I mean, even, even if you looked at the use case of, of just using identification information for the clients themselves, not necessarily the users, when somebody's uh, even entering, you know, service desk tickets or something like that to get information about where they were when they reported a problem, you can track that back to see if that was some wireless issue, if there were, you know, uh, construction events going on at the time or, or something like that. Or yes, you know, Mark, to your point about, yeah, tracking usage of specific conference rooms could even be information that could be useful to other parts of your business to find out why it is that, you know, specific conference rooms are always booked rather than others. Maybe somebody's not aware that there are actual, you know, equipment issues going on or something that are not being reported because everybody would rather just use a different conference room than put in trouble tickets and things like that. You know, there's there's tons of value in the data itself and just depending on how you parse that out, right? Yeah, and, and one that I liked was the consistent security policy, ACI and ICE and Campus. I was like, that is something that can be immediately useful for quite a lot of uh, uh, situations where I'm in. So, yeah, I see uh, I see that there's value actually on the exchange. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of... You know, there are more than a couple. There are plenty of, of use cases on automation exchange. Uh, one that caught my my eyes I was as I was looking through, you know, what's new, what has been submitted, uh, and this is very current, is uh, the deployment of an IKS on top of uh, your infrastructure yeah. uh, using Intersight. Yeah, with Intersight and Terraform. Uh, because Intersight has, you know, there is a, a Terraform provider that integrates with Intersight, uh, we're able to basically deploy your private cloud in like 10 seconds, maybe not 10 seconds, but like so easily because you can put on IKS and then you can deploy a Kubernetes cluster on top of IKS. And then from there, you you basically have your your container environment and you can start deploying your apps easily. And that's that was uh, that's some that's pretty powerful to, if you think about it. 
um, and how easy it is to actually implement as well. Yeah, one of the ones that I saw most recently that uh, that seemed pretty cool to me. It's totally outside of the scope of anything I deal with, but but you know, for me, just trying to look to see what other things people have done. And one of the things I really love about automation exchange is that everybody gets not just a you know readme markdown file on GitHub to try and present everything. Right, you can actually insert a full business case and describe what's going on there and all the components and have you know even videos or white papers or other things inside of it. So it's more of a story rather than just the the pure code, but seeing um, an MSSP, you know, managed security um, uh, service partner that was using um, SecureX and ServiceNow, so like a a no to low code approach for automating workflows. That's taking that orchestration and and piping information into ServiceNow to make it, uh, you know, a, a specific incident that happens when things are getting triggered or high priority events are occurring. And just very cool to see the amount of stuff that's getting in here where looking at this, if this were someone that was coming to finding this as just a repository on GitHub, they might be like, oh, man, like this sounds really cool. It must be super complicated. There's nothing in here that I can do anything with it. Rather than reading it as a story, it's telling you it's a no to low code approach for doing this thing. Here's how you take one system and wire it to another one. And here's, you know, a white paper and here's, you know, all the details with it that it can kind of walk somebody through doing this if they have almost no experience. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it, we try to make it as simple as possible for you to adopt the, the code and the use case that's out there in automation exchange. And I have to say, uh, Joe, my uh, one of my favorite things in SecureX is that action orchestrator. I mean, it's just the no code to low code is just some powerful stuff with the atomic actions that SecureX has as well just makes your life so much easier like it's uh it's i don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to play with that at all yeah only in the learning lab just because it sounded cool (laughs) (laughs) true but honestly that's i mean that's also one of the benefits too is you know reading through these use cases and seeing what people have done even with platforms that that you know in my day-to-day i would have no exposure to the fact that there are white papers the fact that there are learning labs where i can jump in and say i've never seen this platform before but here's the simple one, two, three to get to the walk stage on this thing. And you get a little bit of exposure to it, see how the thing works. And you can at least get conversational knowledge and have seen the interfaces and seen how it works by just, you know, investing 20 to 30 minutes to to walk through most of these and, and see the basics of a platform. Yeah. Shala, did you, did you have any, any automation exchanges that you played with? Not yet. I was working on it. Um, Part of me is thinking about trying out some of the IoT ones just because IoT has always been interesting to me. I just haven't been able to actually work with it, but I feel like this is going to be my way to work with it. Um, I'm liking the things where you can sit there and off of, you know, a device, you can see who was in a certain area of a building, how long were they in there, like stuff like that. I I find that pretty cool. So that's one of the first ones I want to check out. That's awesome. Yeah, another one that that I I looked at, and and this is, uh, and I think I think not because I contributed to it, but I think it's pretty useful from uh, from a DevOps perspective. From you know anybody that's looking to automate in general, anyone that's looking to, to play with APIs is uh, the, the integration of uh, Cisco DNA Center with uh, Hashi Vault. 
and it doesn't have to be Cisco DNA Center, Vault in general. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Vault or not, but what we do as as we're you know we're we're taking this journey of automation, right? You're gonna find that you're using configuration um, authentication to different devices. You're gonna look at you're gonna see that you're you know, you have a bearer token to access WebEx, you have, you know, whatever it is, there's going to be an API key sprawl as you're building out your your automation. And uh, one of the things that got me thinking is there must be a better way than us saving the, the tokens as we're building out into a config file or, you know, having it as part of our GitHub uh, or Git repo and we just, you know, ignore it and not have it uh, posted out there, I hope. In GitHub, right? There must be a better and a secure way. And I was digging into uh, what HashiCorp has done with Vault, and it's basically a server that allows you to go out there and save your your uh, your authentications, uh, whether that's Base64, it's username and password for Basic Auth, or your bearer token for you know your API key. Doesn't matter, right? It allows you to save that in a key value pair. And what it does, it it does an end-to-end encryption, and it gives your application. So they have, they also have kind of an uh, an ACL built into the vault. So you can say, app one only has access to this uh, to to this vault section of the vault, or this uh, um, this username and password. Uh, application two only has access to this bearer token, and so you're you've kind of isolated your. Uh, your authentication methods and all of your your tokens from your application layer, and so when you're sharing that out, all they all the users have to do is point to their vault instance or their uh, where they uh, save their tokens, and uh, I think that that to me adds a lot of value as we're building this because I one I'm guilty of saving my API tokens into my code as a config file, and I'm guilty of accidentally saving it and pushing it out to GitHub. And once it's on GitHub, it's on GitHub, right? So you have to delete the repo in order to get rid of everything. So, uh, you know, that's, I think it's easier to get a new token. Sometimes you can't (laughs) because you don't have access to that. Sometimes you can't. And so... uh, that that one is uh, pretty useful, I think, and I think I recommend everybody to have a peek at that one. So I've I've got a question for you, just to to hear your your take on it from um, I guess kind of the community perspective of it of, of people that are contributing. Which what would be either your favorite stage um, or your your favorite um, part of the life cycle for the use cases that are up here? I mean, is it is it all of the fly stuff? Is it actually like walk and run? Is it people trying to do day zero or day one or day two or day in? I wouldn't say my favorite, but what I, I tend to look at is the fly because it kind of gives you a complete picture of what you can do with automation. And, you know, you go in there and you look at the use cases. Not, not saying that the walk or run, you won't find anything, but Within the fly, if you're ready at that level and you you know you have the knowledge to not break anything and you're ready to take on that step, that means you've accomplished what we're trying to, what we've accomplished. We've done a good job in kind of uh, evangelizing DevNet and, and the power of APIs and seeing the work in uh, fly kind of uh, validates that for me. And and so I, I enjoy kind of browsing there and seeing what everybody is doing on at that level. So how can you contribute? Great question, Mark. So we have a couple 
couple of things. This is not, and this is why I wanted to bring this up. It's not about DevNet and the DevNet guys and the Cisco guys to to go out and contribute to automation exchange. It's about everybody that's leveraging DevNet and automation in general, right? So uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, You need a readme on GitHub and you need code. That's basically it. The process is pretty simple. And so to reaffirm that what we've done that, now that you that now that you know all about DevNet Automation Exchange, uh, we wanted to open it up to you with a challenge. And this is I know you guys like swag and you like challenge. <laughs> so here's what we've done: if you submit and publish your own use case in DevNet Automation Exchange between now and April 30th, uh, you'll receive not only a DevNet shirt but a DevNet jacket too. So listen up: this is what we do. First, go to cs.co/slash auto challenge to submit your interest. From there, you'll be redirected to submit your DevNet Automation Exchange use case. Make sure to do both. And we can't wait to see what you come up with. Cool. So we all are going to walk in DevNet shirts. And DevNet <laughs> yes, tickets. and jackets. <laughs> We'd better. But more, impo- but more importantly, your name would be an Automation Exchange. And I'm super excited about that. Nice. Okay. So how many people do you want to have? Dude, let's break. All it. listeners, go. Well, I'm I'm more interested. Do you have any Do you have any tips for folks that are possibly even totally new to code or are totally new to working with uh, DevNet and and sandboxes? Are there any environments that might be easier for them to get into, or any either use cases or um, workflows to to give people as kind of starter topics to to take a look at? Uh, so, if you're listening and you haven't touched DevNet. Uh, and you're looking into diving into that, developer.cisco.com slash start now is the place to go. And that we will walk you through this. You don't have to worry about it. You just tell us what you're interested in. You pick it, and we will take care of the rest from, for you. We're, we'll walk you through everything, and we'll tell you, okay, now that you understand this, go check out these code exchanges and automation exchange. So Start now is the place to start. Don't go into don't go diving into automation exchange because it might be uh, it might be too much for somebody that's just looking to get started. All right. Well, this has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank all of you out there for listening in today, and a special thank you to our guest and Cisco Champions for being a part of today's episode. Again, if you want to learn more about the challenge, just click on the link provided in the podcast description below. And just a reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to hit or softly click that subscribe or follow button now. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. See you next Monday.